Doc here for DetroitBeardCollective.com, Detroit's premier grooming company. Visit DetroitBeardCollective.com if your beard is feeling dry, scaly, if you need to maintain your beard. This day and age, there's products out there that helps you take care of your beard. Beard butters will make your beard feel softer, better smelling than ever before. The doc actually rocked a beard earlier this spring and summer, and I actually used the beard butter. And the first time I ever used um, a product to take care of my face like that, because, you know, I heard that Adam was into styling, and I'm like, you know what? Let me take care of myself and actually try this stuff out. So I went to DetroitBeardCollective.com and bought the beard butter. My face actually does feel smoother. I definitely checked out the products at the Detroit Beard Collective. They got great T-shirts, oils. The ultra popular Beard Crate, which is a wide assortment of a bunch of different Detroit Beard Collective products. So definitely support those who support us, DetroitBeardCollective.com. Hey, everybody, this is Freddie Cohen of ESPN Radio. When I'm not talking about breaking news or breaking news on ESPN Radio, I'm always a fan and listening to the Detroit Sports Podcast, and so should you. Often imitated, never duplicated. Welcome, everybody, to the Doc and Jock Sports Podcast. I am the Doc, John Macaroon. I have had a miserable start to this week, but today, recording this podcast has washed all the misery away. Joining me for episode 106 of this fine podcast is my cousin, Adam the Jock Strozinski. What's up, cuz? What's up, man? So before we kind of get everything started and get everything underway here, I just want to send a very special shout out to one of my best friends from high school. Bob's getting married this uh, this weekend. Last weekend I was at his bachelor party. It was great. I got to see a lot of the guys I went to high school with. I got to relive some of the action from my high school days, which was great. I got to sit there and spend some good quality time with his dad, which was just awesome. It, it was really impactful. I got to spend good quality time with him and his brothers. Mind you, this dude's got like nine brothers and sisters, like huge family. So going through high school, they took me in like I was one of their own. I was like the 10th, I was like the 10th brother and sister. It was insane. So it was a great time this past weekend, spending time with all of them. It's going to be an even better time this upcoming weekend. So I want to give a big shout out to Bob and Nadia with their wedding coming around the corner here, actually on Saturday. And I want to say what's up to Pops, what's going on, and say what's up to all the brothers and sisters out there. So love the Samson family. They're good people. So they're listening right now. I know they are. So I love you guys. Thanks for all the hospitality. Thanks for bringing me back into the fold because I was away for a long time. I was, it had to have been almost nine, 10 years that I haven't seen a lot of these people and welcomed me right back. Like I never even left. So it was, it was really impactful to me. I actually left his, left the house where we were sitting there partying at. And I called my mom, was telling my mom about it on the way home. So it was a, uh, it was a really nice weekend. I understand that this week has totally sucked for you and I'm calling you I'm calling you out right now. Go for it. I know. I, 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 the doc deserves it. I know it's coming. I, I, need, I need to know if your man card should be stripped. Actually, I know your man card should be stripped. You ended up with a flat tire yesterday on your way home. Yes, I know what you're going to say. You're going to definitely rip me because I don't And you know don't know how. how to change a flat. You don't know how to change a flat, dude. You don't know how to take Why? a tire off of a car. No, I don't. It's five lug nuts. You might have one of those cars that only have four lug nuts. Yours actually has five because you drive a Ford. How? Yeah. How? Every... Every teenage boy should know how to change a tire, and you can't get your flat off your car. Yeah. So now you have to drive your wife's car to the studio today. Because when I pulled up, I was like, oh, 
I was like, the Mercedes is out there. What's going on? <laughs> well, the ballers in action here. Well, let me just tell you. First of all, I, the week that I've had is just—it's one of those things where, when you are excited about something, you're a little bit nervous. You got stuff going on. On Tuesday, I had so many things going on, and I was just wondering, like, what the heck do I got to do to get everything done? I was prepping for our big interview that you're going to hear later on in the podcast with Ace Man Adam Carolla. So I was prepping for that. I had things going. I had so many appointments at the therapy office that it was just a busy day, and then we recorded a podcast on top of it, and that didn't go 100% smoothly with the editing, so I messed all that up. Then I get home, and I'm like, gosh, man, I got to prep for Michigan, Michigan State. I got to hold up my end of the bargain, so I'm like, okay, I got to go to the shop, pick up some prep magazines that I saw earlier at a dollar store. So I go into the dollar store. The magazine rack was changed. I'm like, oh, man, did I miss it? And I'm like, man, I'm a guy that's a creature of habit. I like things where they are. So I go to the lady. I'm like, there was a magazine rack right here, and it's gone. So I go, and I find the magazines. I'm like, good, winning. Get the magazines, read them a little bit. Um, then I'm driving home. All of a sudden, I hear, boom, I get the alert on the car, and it's like low tire pressure. And I'm like, oh, no, that usually proceeds that I hit something or something happened, and I got a flat. Did you run over a nail or something? I, I didn't hear anything. My car was driving smoothly. I was on the phone talking, handling some business, mm-hmm. and I didn't notice it. Like all a of a sudden, girl. Yeah, all of a sudden, boom, I got a flat. I hear the shaking. I'm like, yep, it's a flat tire. So I'm like, okay, I got a Ford lease. It happened to me before. So I call the um, Ford roadside assistance. They're great. But this time around, it actually was much worse because typically they usually come within 30 to 40 minutes, hour and a half. You sat there and waited for an hour and a half. I did. You could have got out and changed your tire in 15 minutes and been home and been on your way. Yeah. Have you seen pictures of me, man? Do I look like a guy that's handy? If I would have tried to get out of my car, <laughs> try to... Handy is not a word to describe Okay, you. here's the best part. <laughs> Physically fits. Well, and There's the, another word that doesn't describe you. Oh, right. So here's the best part. What's the tool called that you take the lug nuts off with? It's a cross. I'm holding it in the studio. <laughs> I don't even know what it's called. The tool that takes the lug nuts off, I don't know what it's called. So I'm sitting there just on the phone tweeting, and I'm like, you know what? You Listen, I deserve all the grief you're giving me, but in life you realize I'm not a guy that's talented in terms of being handy. I make mistakes. I'm the guy that cuts the uh, house security wire weed whacking. I did that. I did that. So it's not just that I just all of a sudden became this way. I've tried, but it's all like, I don't want to hurt myself. I don't want to hurt myself. <laughs> I'm the breadwinner of the family, so I, don't, I can't. I don't want to break a sweat. I, so I just call those guys and they just come and do it for me. Listen. Did you watch the guy as he was changing your tire? It was late. By the time he got there, it was 945. So did you just sit in the car? Yeah, I sat in the car. <laughs> <laughs> sat in the car, listened to the Tigers game. Of course, it went to a rain delay. So, you know, I don't know how to change a tire, man. It's it's one of those things where you learn quickly, like, okay, are you handy or not? Are you left brain, right brain? That that type stuff doesn't fit. Like, I don't understand. I, I would basically spend an hour putting the wrong part of that tool on the lug nut going, why isn't it working? You know, so it's not one of those things I'm good at, man. Sorry. I deserve the grief. I'm the guy that calls people to cut his grass, that will call somebody to change a light bulb. You know, it happens. Call somebody to change a light bulb. Yeah, because I would probably screw it in too tight and break it and break this, you know, the the whole the thing that holds the light bulb. As um, you guys can see, John has been babies his entire life. <laughs> I've not been babied. I've tried. I've hammered things and, and hit my nail and broke things and and, and sparked things. And you, 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 I just you, love you talking because you just sound even more pathetic as you go on. Yeah, see. <laughs> And, and and you learn early on. My parents told me, "Oh man, you're going to struggle. You're going to have to call. You're going to have to call struggle people. at life." <laughs> but but if you're like me, I'll give you some advice. You got to have guys. So I have a electrician. I have a plumber that are cool with me. So I know that I'm not getting uh, you know 
taken advantage of. I pay. I put. I, you have guys, huh? I have guys. You I have pay guys. decent price. You have to have guys if you're not Lots handy. You have a harem of dudes. You do. I do. <laughs> 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 All right, let's get into some Michigan State, Michigan football. Right. Oh, I can't handle laughing at you anymore, uh-huh. guys. I'm just I'm go on Twitter and, and and address this. Does John need to get his man card revoked? Does he for not being able to change a tire, screwing a light bulb, <laughs> swing a hammer? For goodness sakes, he can't swing a hammer. So just tweet at us at Detroit Podcast at Adam R S T R O Z. <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter. Well, you got to go to the basic level. I don't know half what the tools are called. <laughs> you know, Philip Stanley, if you told me what they were, I would get probably 50-50. I'd get it wrong. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Flatheads cross. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. We, listen, we got to definitely tease it everything. It's like your mother raised a girl. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, man, we got a big show, because we got a big show. We're going to talk definitely college football. The biggest name in the world of podcasting is coming on this very podcast. We're going to talk about Michigan State, Michigan, break it down. The college football season is right around the corner. We're definitely going to have to check in with our teams and give a a good solid breakdown as to what the hell we can expect from teams that we're passionate about. All right, we are going to break down college football. And just to start it off, tough news early last week regarding two significant injuries for our teams. And it's just so devastating in my opinion that right away right before the season started you got some news that wasn't good for both teams awful awful stuff it was kind of and i I tweeted out at detroit podcast kind of a buzzkill yeah it's gonna suck especially for michigan state moving forward without ed davis the guy is the middle of that defense he is you're basically your linebacking core he's the guy that you lean on so moving forward I have total confidence in, in Mark D'Antonio to get other guys in there and, and to address the situation, but that's a huge loss. His impact on this team is immense, and trying to sit there and, and duplicate that with somebody else, it's just not going to happen. And the games that you'll probably see it the most will be against Oregon, against Ohio State. Those will probably be the two games where you're going to miss him the most. That being said, I have total 100% confidence in Mark D'Antonio being able to address this loss either by committee with a group of guys like a Chris Ferry, a Shane Jones, Andrew Dowell, a Tyreek Thompson, any of these guys, I'm sure he can plug them in and play with them. I also think he's going to use different packages to sit there and address the loss of Ed Davis. Guys like John Reichick, Drake Martinez, he's going to put these guys, he's going to put all these guys in good spots. And I think that in the end, Michigan State will be okay. I think you will miss him. And I think it's going to be a little bit of a, a detrimental loss. The only good thing is you lost him early in camp. It wasn't like you guys were sitting there and you were preparing for Oregon State and or you're preparing for Ohio State or you're preparing for Michigan or you're preparing for whoever, Nebraska. You lost him early in the season. Now, I mean, you, don't even, you, don't, you haven't even played Western yet. So you got, you've got some time to get things figured out. Before the injury. Now, we're going to definitely talk about definitely the impact of the injury. Definitely very impactful. But before the injury, a lot of talk now because of the fact that Michigan State is returning 24 seniors on this squad. There are big, huge expectations for Michigan State. And I just can't. I'm like one of those guys that I'm a, I'm a big, huge Michigan State fan and supporter. But I can't, like yet, enter, in my brain, entertain the fact that they're talking about Michigan State in the national playoff, in the final four. I can't wrap my mind around that. And looking at the schedule early on, I'm like, ah, it would literally take almost a 12-0 and season for Michigan State to get into the playoff. And I just can't see that realistically. 
Now, people are saying, well, you have to have super high expectations in order to raise the program to that level. It's great that we're in that conversation, but right now, my little Sparty heart can't put us in that class yet. That's the next step up. I feel like we're very close to the top of the ladder, but I don't know if this is the season where we're going to take that final climb, especially when you got the gatekeeper and you got tough games on the road. Getting over Ohio State, it's going to be super tough. It's not easy. And being realistic up front going into it, it just don't think that the final four is and the college playoff is really a realistic expectation for this team. I think it has to be national championship or bust for this oh, team. Oh, man, why? You've got you've got a stud quarterback coming back, Connor Cook. Everybody's talking about he will probably be the second quarterback taken off the board, possibly a Heisman Trophy candidate. You've got four returning offensive linemen. All right, so offensively, you guys should be set. You guys should be set. You just got to run the ball. Those offensive linemen should be able to open up holes big enough for anybody to drive Mack truck through. You should be able to get some Michigan running backs to run the ball through there. Because did you know that last year, I, when doing research, the numbers that kind of came up to me, I was like, wow, I really underappreciated Michigan State last year. They averaged over 500 yards of offense last year. And you said it yourself, they're returning a lot of that offense. So the offensive side isn't going to be too much of a question mark. The biggest issue I think is going to be on the defensive side of the ball. The way that Pat Narduzzi used to run this defense was through cornerbacks. You guys don't have a for sure stud cornerback on this team. You've got some question marks at cornerback, and that I think is going to be an issue for you guys. Also, you're losing Pat Narduzzi. This is no longer Pat Narduzzi's defense. What is this defense going to look like going into the 2015 campaign? How is it going to run? Is it going to run similar? Is it going to be uh, essentially cornerbacks that kind of help sit there and and move this defense and and help it work? Or is this going to be more of a defensive line orientated defensive structure or maybe a linebacking core that that kind of sits there and, and moves the wheel? So what is this defense going to look like? Are these players going to be able to adjust and, and, and move into this new defensive structure? Or is there going to be some growing pains there? And I think that's where the big question marks come. Those are the things that you have to sit there and you have to take pause. Because you have a lot of guys returning. You have a, a ton of people coming back. And yes, by all accounts, this team should be better than it was last year. Because you have the experience. You have the guys coming back. But... Not knowing what that defense, it's kind of the wild card. You're not sure what it's going to be. You're not sure how it's going to run. You got to take pause. You got to look and you got to maybe scratch your head a little bit. But I think it is national championship or bust for this team. You've got one of the best coaches in all of college football in Mark D'Antonio. You've got a stud quarterback coming back. You've got guys on that defense that make an impact every single game. Every single game you got guys. At this point, you have enough playmakers And you guys do a good enough job, and I say you guys because I can't stand you guys. You know I can't. You know I bleed maize and blue over here, and you guys wear your stupid little green and your block S. You guys got enough talent, and you have a big enough chip on your shoulder that will motivate you and make you guys win games and help you win games. You're going to have two tough tests. I looked at your schedule. You're going to have two tough tests. It's going to be three tough tests. Are you counting Michigan? No, are you oh, kidding me? Come on, man. Let's be realistic. Who, who are you <laughs> counting here? You got you got Ohio, you got Oregon State and you've got Ohio State on the road at Nebraska. That's always a tough oh, game, dude. Don't just don't disrespect Nebraska. That's a tough game on the on the I, road. If it was at home, you know, when you've watched the last couple of games versus Nebraska, it's been a struggle. Nebraska is no joke, and they usually put forth a strong effort on the road. It's concerning. You you've got this. You've got a very veteran laden group. It should not be a problem. Mm-hmm, if it's a problem. There's there's other question marks that need to be addressed. That should not be a problem for you guys. You guys should be able to go into Nebraska and handle the Cornhuskers and just keep it moving. I, I I really I think and I feel that it's national championship robust. I know that scares you. I know that scares you because that's a lot of expectations put on Michigan State and put on Michigan State fans. 
it's a different shoe to wear, isn't it? It, it, you're not comfortable wearing it yet. And we've talked about it in, in the last couple of years previewing is that Michigan State is a very solid team. They've won 11 games. They've won at least 11 games in four of the last five seasons. And so with that comes expectations. But we haven't seen it yet. We've seen, we've seen it in the Big Ten now. We are a player in the Big Ten. We're, we now have to continue to gain consistency being a, a strong program in the Big Ten. But you got to remember, too, you also have to also look at the landscape around you. And the landscape around you kind of shows that, you know, there's a super strong team out there, and that's Ohio State, who not only has one, not only has two, three great quarterbacks for Urban Meyer to choose from. Ezekiel Elliott is going to be a running back that's going to probably pose the biggest threat for my Connor Cook. I'm going to start it now, though. The Connor Cook Heisman Trophy campaign is about to start here at the Detroit Sports Podcast, headed off by the Doc. I think that he's got all the tools and makeup and you know skills needed to make a strong Heisman Trophy run. And I don't know if though the push nationally for a Connor Cook is going to propel him to win it all. When nationally, right away going into it, I think Elliott's going to be the favorite. But like you Here's said, here's a question for you: Did you think yeah. RG three and Baylor had a national push mm. back when RG three won it? Well, very I good mean, point. you got to remember Baylor up until a couple years ago when he won that trophy was kind of like a redheaded stepchild, and they just were kind of looked down upon. RG3 wins, wins the Heisman, and now you're talking Baylor playing for playoff games. You're talking, I mean, it, it's been kind of a, a revolution over there in Texas. Yeah, for the Heisman Trophy, though, you kind of need to get off to the very fast start in the season and keep that momentum building. I think Elliott has a chance to have that uh, momentum build and build throughout the season, whereas right away, Michigan State has a tough test in Week 2. It's just, you know, I know that it's great to play strong teams, but that Oregon game is going to be no joke, the home opener on September 12th. So I don't think that Oregon team is as strong as it was last year. No. And I think Michigan State is even stronger this year. Answer me this. Riddle me this, Batman. Do you think having guys on your defensive front like a Shalik Calhoun, a Malik Madal, those guys are going to... I, I don't see Oregon being able to, to, to go up against and intend with them. I just don't see Oregon being able to do it. All you got to do is look at last year, where the defense had a you know great cornerback in Trey Waynes, and Michigan State now has produced several great cornerbacks that have gone on to the NFL. I'm looking forward to seeing the continued progress of Darquez Denard and now Trey Waynes this year in his rookie season. But look at last year. You go on the road to Oregon with your great defense. You lose 46-27. to 27. Come on now. That game was a lot closer than that score dictates. Mm-hmm. Up, in, up until parts of that second half, that was a really close game. Okay, and then at home to Ohio State, at home to Ohio State, you lose 49-37. to 37. I was at a bar at that game, and that game, I was literally like, my jaw was, was dropping, thinking that it was going to be a close, tight game, and it became a shootout. And in the end, it just, you know, Ohio State was just too much for us. So that's going to be the key question is, yeah, versus the scrubs that we have on the schedule, we're going to dominate and put up a bunch of numbers and things like that. But versus the big teams, Nebraska on the road, Michigan on the road, can we say they're a big team yet? Oregon. Come on. I'm a realistic Michigan fan here. I, you guys have, I think you guys have 10 times the amount of talent that Michigan has. Yes, but I think the Harbaugh effect will affect the game. It's going to be a little bit closer than it was last year. We'll but, talk about the Harbaugh effect. But here. in thinking of Michigan State as a national title contender, I just can't do it knowing that schedule and knowing the history. So wait, are you, are you content with 11 wins every season then? No, Going 11-2? I'm saying that... This is the best chance that we have to get to that game. Everything's lined up. You know what's messed up? You what's said it? that last year. Yeah. You said last year, like, this is the best chance we have. This is the best chance we're going to get in probably 10 years. Yeah. And 
we're right back here next year. We're talking about it again, and you're still saying this is and the then, best shot we have. Okay, if this is how far your program has come, this is what bothers me about you, Michigan State fans. This, this right here, this is what irritates me. I right? can be all fanboy if you want. Yeah, no, but I don't I'm need realistic. you to be all fanboy. I, I need you to have a have a legit conversation and, and be proud of what your school has done. You guys have come from the depths of the Big Ten, being little brother, being everybody's bitch. That's what you guys have come from. Being everybody's bitch. Being being the exclamation point on the joke. That's where you guys came from. And now you guys are basically the pride of the Big Ten. You get to sit at the big boys table with Ohio State. Michigan doesn't. When was the last time we beat them? When was the last time we routed them? When was the last time we beat you? When was the last time we routed you? I believe the last time we beat you was a field goal kickathon. At this point, have some pride. <laughs> beat your chest. Say, yeah. I really think I think we have a great shot. To sit there and win a national championship. Yeah, you guys got to get by Ohio State. Who cares? Who cares? You got to get by Ohio State. What was the score of that Ohio State game? We lost 49 to 37. Okay. So you lost by what? 12 points. All right. Two touchdowns. And if I remember correctly, that was a much closer game than that score dictates as well. This is college football, man. It's all about having bringing guys back who are familiar with your system and executing your system and hoping, hoping that you have athletes. And I think you guys have enough athletes on both sides of the ball where you can contend for a national championship. I think you guys get a win week two when you go play Oregon. I think you get a win. I mean, last year we were sitting there talking about it, and we were we were, we were were scared. We were like, oh, man, Oregon, I don't know if we're going to be Oregon in Oregon. Eugene's a tough place to play, and the Ducks quack, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You have too much talent. You have too much experience. You have too much. You guys should have too much pride. You should have way too much pride, but you don't. Okay, let me tell you. You guys you. should be let me beating you. Oregon, and you should be setting that game up against Ohio State and then rolling to a national championship. Yeah, let me tell you what it's like to be a Lions fan and a Spartans fan. What happens is if you have your Keep expectations— Keep away from you. <laughs> if you have those expectations, the pain and hurt you're going to feel is going to be that much more intense. I think it's realistic and appropriate to look at it objectively. Now, we could have this talk had our best um, linebacker not gone out with a season-ending injury. Okay, then I could say, you know what? I could entertain the thought of us potentially being in that title picture. But it's so hard when you have to go undefeated. It's not that easy. If Michigan State has one loss and Ohio State has one loss, you think they're going to pick Michigan State over Ohio State? Give me a, uh, That's just not going to happen. If so, Michigan State beats Ohio State, then they kind of have to. Uh, well, okay, yeah, that would be great. They've done it in the past, but uh, keep showing it consistently. And yes, we should. It is very fair to look at it objectively and say, when you look at this Michigan State team, very fair to say 10-2, and 6-2 and two in the Big Ten. That's a very fair, realistic approach. And if they can, in the key moments versus the big teams, come out and come through, hey, they could be 11-1. and one, But I don't think it's realistic to say that going into it now, knowing that one of our best defensive linebackers has been injured, you have a new defensive coordinator, and the tough schedule with the tough games on the road, that formula to me, tells me that it's going to be an uphill climb. And so I'm putting my stamp on a 10-2 and two season, and it'll be a decent season. The expectation is to win the national title and to get there, but I just don't see it yet because I haven't seen it. So you think that they might lose to Nebraska? There's a chance, yeah. And, and you never if know. You, if you lose to Nebraska, we, you, you don't even deserve to be, we don't even deserve to be having this conversation then. There's no reason you should lose to Nebraska. Okay. I think you're over I think you're overestimating what Nebraska has and I think you're devaluing what Michigan State has. Michigan State has developed this program and has built this program into a would be national power with with the pub that you guys get with with the Nike helmets and and 
the, the, the different uniforms and the spotlights that you guys get with ESPN and ABC. I think at this point in, in this football culture, Michigan State is one of those programs that should be mentioned for national titles, should be mentioned to be a contender, should be mentioned to win the Big Ten and then go on. And I don't fear Ohio State. I don't know why you guys fear Ohio State. You guys can hang with them. They beat our pants up and down the floor. And I know what they have. I know they've got a lot. But you guys have a lot, too. I mean, I think you guys have enough to where you should beat your chest proudly and, and say, hey, I think we got a real good shot at, at winning this thing. And that's all That's all I'm saying. I, just, I, I think that you guys have a real good shot. And I think and I think if Connor Cook has a decent season, then he's going to be a top five first-round pick. He's got the tool, 6'4", 220 pounds, and he can make all the throws, big throws. Last season, you saw that he made some NFL-style throws. And I know that we did lose Tony Lippett, a very strong wide receiver. But I do that's think that— That's the big question. On yep. offense, who's yep. going to catch the ball? Burbridge, who, I think, is now going to be number Cook one. going to throw? He, he, Burbridge is slotted to be number one, but over the past— what, three years? Has he really done anything that's really solidified him to be your, your go-to stud receiver? No. The answer is no. I'm just going to answer for you. No. I used to cover Aaron Burbridge when he played high school football. He was kind of a beast. He was really good. But in college, it's like he just hasn't put the pieces together yet. So hopefully this year he can put the puzzle together. And hopefully as a breakout season, maybe he is like Tony Lippett. Maybe he can catch the deep ball and open that offense up for you guys. Otherwise, it's going to be a lot of smash-mouth football, a lot of running the ball. Because on the outside with the receivers, that's where the giant question mark is on offense. Similar to how it is on defense, you have giant question marks on the outside with your cornerbacks and your secondary play. These are the two things that have to get answered before you go into Oregon, before you play Oregon at Michigan at Michigan uh, at Spartan Stadium. Okay, so you've looked at the schedule. You've seen now where the the where the strengths are of the team. Definitely on the offensive line. Definitely, you know the question marks on defense. So you look at the schedule. You see the tough games. Where do you slate them at? I mean, it sounds like what you're saying. The least your your starting point is eleven and one. That's your starting point based on what you're talking about. If you want them to go to the national title, it sounds like you're saying you're putting on the record here uh, in late August that you think the Spartans are going to be eleven and one. I think yeah. It, at this point, it has to be it has to be over ten and a half wins, right? If I got to put an over under, it's got to be over ten and a half wins. I see at least eleven and one. The one game that that I'm holding out on, and that's kind of a coin flip, that's the OSU game. You have to go to Ohio State. You've got to play Ohio State in their house, and you said it. They can roll three quarterbacks at any time, and you know, Coach Urban, Captain Urban Meyer is gonna have something sneaky up his sleeve, so you got to watch that. But I think at any point in Ezekiel Elliott's a beast that's a massive mammoth man right there who just loves to run into contact and he just brushes dudes aside well all sparty fans are going to be cheering for virginia tech because the ohio state opens the season on the road versus virginia tech who's done some damage and kind of upset ohio state in the past but should they make it through virginia tech then their schedule is cupcake hawaii northern illinois western indiana maryland penn state at rutgers minnesota illinois michigan state michigan Come on, man. That's a puff. You know, outside of that first game, that's a puff schedule. Yeah. They're, they're going to come probably into the Michigan State game undefeated. And I would assume so. And at the same point, I would assume that Michigan State would come into the game undefeated as well. Because I think you're going to beat Oregon at home. That's, that showdown on November 21st is going to be exceptional. And I think that's for all the marbles. And that's for the right to sit there and possibly go on and play for a national championship. And at Ooh. this point in time, I do believe Ohio State is more of Michigan State's rival than Michigan is. You guys hate to hear the term little brother, and you hate to be called it, and Michigan fans revel in calling you guys it and rubbing it in, even though we have nothing to rub in right now. 
But I think at this point, Michigan has been bumped because they've been inadequate the last four, five years. Let's be honest. The only reason we got to go play for a Sugar Bowl is because you guys botched it in the Big Ten Championship game. That was the only reason we got to go play for a Sugar Bowl when Brady Hoke took over. At this point in time, Ohio State is your biggest rival. That matchup on November 21st is going to be exceptional. And I expect both of you guys to be going into that game undefeated. See, I disagree with you in terms of Ohio State being Michigan State's biggest rival. I think that Mark D'Antonio has done a masterful job of pumping up the state program and looking for any wrinkles possible to uplift them. But he is a kind man because it did come out. Who was the first person to call Brady Hoke when he got fired from Michigan? Michigan State head coach Mark D'Antonio. So even though he has vitriol for yeah, University of Michigan. Yeah, he's probably upset that that guy was yeah. gone. He was like, oh, man, our cupcakes just left. I was like, oh, come on. That's what that takes like, a little, what is this? Takes a little sting. Yeah, he's a nice guy. That's very nice of him to extend that little olive branch and say, hey, tough luck there. Mm-hmm. You lost your job. Tough, but luck, tough luck for you, can, MSU. All I can do in— Just speak, moved out. All I can do is— Chubby speak, Man Hoke and brought in Harbaugh. All I can do is speak on how I feel. I get the best satisfaction, and we've had a great run the last couple years, but I feel the absolute best when Michigan State beats Michigan because the level of trash talk back and forth is a little bit more intense, a little bit more nasty uh, between the Michigan fans and the Michigan State fans. I mean, I know that in the state of Michigan, most people don't like Ohio State, but for me personally, I feel like Michigan is the biggest rival, and this year the rivalry is going to take now a, a great new twist with Jim Harbaugh being over there at Michigan, what he's going to do to kind of put more life into the rivalry. When, Michi- when it's Michigan State, Michigan week, I'm fully locked in. I know what's going on. I'm definitely paying attention, and I'm starting to, to spread the trash talk. Versus Ohio State, it's not like that. It's like, yeah, we want to beat them. That's a team where you're looking at a much bigger picture a team that can t- you know, take you from being a Big Ten elite to maybe nationally elite. But for me, I cannot state that Ohio State is Michigan State's biggest rival. I think it's, it's always going to be Michigan because it's in-state. I think the hatred level from the fans to the schools is much more. I don't think Spartan fans are going to the, uh, the university there at Ohio State and, and throwing paint and disfiguring you know, monuments and causing a havoc over there. We do that at Michigan. Why? Because we hate Michigan. If you're a Sparty fan... Because you're a bunch of jerks. I'm not one of those... I definitely am not one of those guys that says, oh, I root for Michigan the rest of the, the year. No, I hope they lose every game. I personally hope Michigan loses. I hope Harbaugh falls flat on his face. I hope that the talk we have is what's next for Michigan after Harbaugh falls flat on his face. That's what I want. And so that's that tells me that as, as long as I feel that way, Michigan's the, the main rival, not Ohio State. Are you dialed into that big MSU Rutgers game, October 10th? <laughs> dialed into no. that one? It's a BTN special. Nope. I'm dialed in first Get game. Get the 8 o'clock time slot. September 4th time. at Western. Just handle our business. Game one. That's all I'm looking forward to. But uh, I'll be watching that game, too. So I, I love it, man. In the course of our time doing the podcast, it's been the reins have been held by Michigan State. We are the kings of Michigan, and let's keep it going, man. Let's keep it going. But let's our, our reign at the top of the throne has been slowly diminishing piece by piece now. Do you remember and, when you played for that Rose Bowl? You remember how scared you were of Stanford? I was scared. You, I, you, remember, you remember me telling you it's going to be okay? I was, at I, was like, I was like holding your hand and I was like wiping the tears out of your eye. You're like, I'm scared, man. This is, this is crazy. <laughs> you have to be. This is Stanford. <laughs> this is Stanford, damn it. And I was like, you're a Spartan, bro. Man up. You're going to okay. be okay. Next thing you know, it was Jail Sack City and MSU was sitting there running the train. And who came out? Who came? Who came out with a rose in their mouth? That's right, Sparty. Have some confidence, bro. 
Look what you my make Spartans me sick. Look what my Spartans you can't do to change me. Change a tire and you don't even believe in your squad. Look what my school does to me. Michigan State has been the underdog and come back from deficits of ten points or more to win each of its past four games in the in a, in a bowl game. Yeah. So they get down early in these bowl games and they make it difficult and they make it stressful. So what's listen, I say about the character of that team? Strong, super strong. That's right. And some of that character went out the door and took another job. So let's see how they rebound from that. You can't just be like, yeah, we got a new two. Not even, they didn't even hire one. They, they got co-defensive coordinators. Which makes no sense to me. Can you explain that to me? Yeah. How does that you. work? Does, does one handle, I don't know, secondary work and one handles the front seven? How does this work? Here, here's what you do. You go, okay, One's guys. calling back-end formations. One's calling front-end <laughs> formations. We say, listen, we don't want either of you to leave. And I can't make a choice. I'm not going to make that choice. So we're going to make you the co-defensive coordinators because we're not going to make a choice. Because if we make one choice, you know the other one's gone. Whoop! Probably right out the door with them. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. No, you have to. You totally make... perplexing. Yeah. I, I just I just want to know how play calling is going to go. So we're going to check into our nickel formation. No, no, no. Cover two. Cover two. <laughs> what? What is going on here? Let's roll with a with a with a three four front. No, no. We want a four three front. What? I just I see fisticuffs in in, in the in the defensive coordinators booth. You know, I, this is why Ed Davis was so important. Yeah, because he was the one who was sitting there at manning the plays and telling them what's going on. Yeah, see, he should. This not, is what's up. Advice to Ed Davis: Definitely do not come back for your sixth year. It's another year of punishment on your body. Just he made his name known throughout the um, football landscape, and he should definitely go to the NFL. Ooh, here's a question for you: Since you bring that up, let's play what if. So, what if Ed Davis does go into the NFL draft? So he's not playing all this year. You know, he's gonna fall. He might have been, possibly could have been a, a, a top... Uh, I don't Second, know, top, third round? Yeah, top two rounds, maybe third round, You know, depending on how the season panned out. So now he's going to fall. So he's probably a third-day draft pick, somewhere right around sixth or seventh round. If you're the Lions, you take him. Oh, I think... Cause you, know what, you know who I see taking him? Who are you taking him? I see, I see the Pittsburgh Steelers taking him. Oh. Pittsburgh loves doing stuff like this, and the Lions don't. Mm. Pittsburgh will take a chance, will take a flyer on a fifth or sixth-round player from a big school who was a stud and then got hurt his senior year or his fifth year of eligibility. And they're like, yeah, whatever. We'll just take that. And next thing you know, the guy's a monster. He's out there just gobbling up dudes from Cincinnati, from Cleveland, from Baltimore, just eating them alive. Wait, so you're saying that the Lions past two drafts haven't kind of moved the needle towards saying, hey, maybe we can actually make maybe Do we can not remember fun. my rant from draft day? <laughs> so the answer's no. <laughs> And now let's segue and talk about the school that made the biggest splash in the headlines this offseason. The hiring of Jim Harbaugh instantly gives Michigan credibility and has been the talk in the newspapers, in the Twitter sphere. Every action that he took off the field was documented and looked at. And now we're getting closer where we can honestly evaluate what does the Michigan program look like on the field and actually judge What's going on? And I know you definitely did your research, and I definitely did mine, and I was very floored with the drastic decline in uh, QB Gardner's numbers from his junior year to his senior year. And in, in our preview magazines that I looked at and online, a lot of people wrote that Devin Gardner had football PTSD and that he, he had, uh, I think, 15 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. The year, the year prior, he had 30-plus touchdowns, 30-plus he was definitely gun-shy, and the line was so awful. That speaks to why they had to make that change. Yeah, Brady Hoke was not coaching anybody. He was not making anybody better. If you look at the trajectory of the way that program was going, every year they lost at least two or more games, all the way down to they ended up 5-7. and seven. They came from an 11, I think it was 11-2 and two season where they, where they eked out that Sugar Bowl win over Virginia Tech to 5-7. and seven. 
it, it just got worse and worse and worse. And I don't know if it wasn't the fact that he couldn't recruit because by all accounts he was they would bring in solid classes. Everybody always said that they brought in really good draft cl- or recruiting classes, but he just wasn't coaching them up. He wasn't putting them in spots where they were getting better as a team or as a program. And right there is probably the best stat: Devin Gardner. Devin Gardner sitting there his wow. senior year just playing like absolute garbage. Just didn't make anybody better. So you go out and you bring in the Great White Hope. You bring in Jim Harbaugh. Great and, hire. Great and, hire. I, yeah, I, I think this was a home run. I, I, let's let's talk about that. This this was a home run hire for Michigan. Absolutely. Right. There, I, you know what? And you can look to at least two other coaches in the Big Ten where they were home run hires. You look at Ohio State, Urban Meyer. You look at Michigan State, Mark D'Antonio. But you have a guy like Brady Hoke who went on a local radio station and conducted an interview and refused to say that this was a home run hire for Jim Harbaugh. And while I understand it, this is his quote. I don't know if there's ever a home run hire, to be honest with you, Hoke said. I said that's more media speak than anything else. I guess I'm in the media. I don't think I'll be using the terminology. I think it's a guy who obviously loves his school, seems to love it, and he's where he wants to be, and that's all you can ask for. Brady Hoke, that is sour grapes all day long. You did a bad job. Admit you did a bad job. Just come on and be upfront with it. You're a guy who always talked about taking responsibility and being accountable for what you did. Be accountable for it. You, you coached four really bad years. I mean, you got lucky that you won that, that Sugar Bowl. Let's be honest about it. Those were Rich Rod's players. You took them and you won with them. Hats off to you. Good job for not screwing that up. But the next three years after that, it was all downhill. Nobody got better. You didn't do anything better for any of these guys. You know, there was talent on that roster. They struggled to even sit there and get into the NFL draft and get picked up by guys because you guys did such a bad job coaching them up. You didn't wear a damn headset on the sidelines. So bringing in a guy like a Jim Harbaugh, hell yeah, it's a home run hire. It's yeah. definitely a home run hire. Obviously, when a man loses his job, and definitely at a, at a university where he had strong attachments to, he's not going to be all about uh, you know pumping up the guy that took his job. And now he said it himself. He prefaced it by saying, listen, I have to kind of take away my love of Michigan and put on my media hat. And so with him putting on his media hat, that's what he's supposed to say. It was the right decision to uh, move on from Brady Hoke because he really, you had talent on that team. It just, it was, it, it became painfully clear that the talent didn't get better. And then getting railroaded by your, your rivals year after year, Michigan State and Ohio State, doesn't help you on any, any front. So that's the, those are the big games you have to win. I'm, I'm pretty happy though in terms of what I've been hearing with the expectations of Michigan fans. I think at first, you know, everyone was super excited and everyone was on the hardball train and as to what he can do this 2015 season. But now you've kind of looked at the fact that he kind of was a little bit behind in recruiting. You got some key holes at quarterback and, and, um, now you, Michigan also had a significant injury. Now a guy that was counted on to produce. So now I think. What I'm hearing and from talking to people about the Michigan football season this year, I do believe people's expectations are realistic in that they're not thinking they're going to win 10 games, that they just want to see what Harbaugh's influence is going to be on this team this season. It's not going to be so much about wins and losses. It's going to be more about evaluating and looking at what is the scheme that Jim runs? How does he coach these players? I'm thinking that the majority of the Michigan fans are realistic and are thinking this is a 7-8 win team with the small, small possibility, if certain things go right, maybe, maybe a nine-win team. But seven and five is ultra-realistic, and I do think that Michigan fans are being level-headed. Because as of yet, you don't really you have big questions at quarterback and running back. And when you have questions like that, it makes it really difficult to pump your chest out and be like, yeah, we're going to win eight, nine games. You know, you have really strong cons for both quarterbacks, uh, Rudock and Morris. 
Cuz Morris does not yet have a passing touchdown. I saw that stat and I read it. It said that entering the spring camp this year, there were quarterbacks that uh, all three prior to Rudock and um, the others that are competing, the freshmen and those who are entering uh, school this year, all of them had zero passing touchdowns. Zero. Nilch. Nada. Come on now. You, and, and you're going to count on a guy that was let go from Iowa? And, or you're or you going to count on Shane Morris, who has had all of two career starts? You're, you're first and foremost, you got to figure out who the hell is going to take over that team at quarterback. And it doesn't look like either option is all that great, in my opinion. At least when you see around the Big Ten. You're right. There, there are huge questions at running back. Who's going to be the starting guy to get the ball and, and carry it? But at quarterback, I think it's Rudock. I think Rudock's your guy. He's more efficient than, than Shane. He's got a little bit more experience than Sugar Shane does. It's Jake Rudock all day long. He's got a better touchdown efficiency to INT ratio. You can't discount the experience of what he did at Iowa. So he's used to the Big Ten competition, and I think he can come in, and I think he can slot in nicely. I think You know what Rudock is? He's the safe pick. He is. That's exactly what he is. That's the smart pick. He, he's, he's the guy who you can put out there. He's not going to wow you with anything, but you can count on him to not turn the ball over and put you in a bad spot. But and now that's what you need, I think, for this okay. season. This season, let's be honest, this season has a bunch of Band-Aids all over a bunch of bullet wounds. So you're just trying to get through the year. You want to be productive. You want to be able to put the best talent that you can put out there. If they can go out there and they can win eight games and they're an eight and four team, I'm going to take that all day long. Because I see the massive disparity in, in, in talent that's on this team, and I see the massive holes that are on this team that are still needing to be filled. Me and you, can't, we, we can name five different guys who might possibly run the ball for this team. And yeah. that's one thing that you used to not be able to say about Michigan. You used to know who the running back was. Mm-hmm. You used to know who the quarterback apparent was. Well, actually, I've been paying attention, and I, I liked what I saw on the running backs. You got Derek Green practice fully um, in this in spring. Drake Johnson's the biggest question mark because he's coming off of an ACL injury, and that's always tough. But you guys do have a big name. Five-star recruit Ty Isaac. He's been widely touted and really talked about heavily being a guy that potentially could be a really strong asset for the offense. Being that he's physically gifted, a five-star transfer from USC. you got a wealth of guys a, at running back. A, a real wealth here. It sounds like you went digging through the couch and you pulled out a whole bunch of quarters and you were excited because they weren't dimes. No, that's, that, that's exactly what this sounds like. But I, but I, None I, of those guys, you, you can't sit there and you can't nail down one of those guys as a starting running back for this team. No. Those are all potential running backs. There's a scary word, potential. Potential is definitely the word in talking about the running backs. I definitely want to swing back to the quarterbacks and frame it like this. So you got the two guys who are in the, basically in the lead to take over the starting job. You got Rudock, who's the safe play, but last year the Michigan offense ranked 112th nationally. So that's a guy that's going to be the check down guy. That's the guy that's not going to be willing so much to throw deep, and he's going to keep it safe. He's going to be the guy that you look to to not turn the ball over, to move the chains, and to keep the offense flowing. You know, he's got the experience, so that gives him the heads up. Or you personally, would you go with a guy like a Shane Morris, who's more of a home run threat, can throw the deep ball, has a stronger arm, has the higher upside, but he is a larger risk to turn the ball over, and now there's a, maybe a potential issue with concussions. And, and also, too, a lot of people are talking about his competitiveness, that it really took Rudock coming into camp to kind of bring out that level of competitiveness, that edge that you needed. And that's kind of really disappointing at, at this point in time in Morris's career, not having played that many games, that people are questioning your competitiveness. For you personally, home run guy or safe and secure who may not get you that many yards or may not be that flashy? 
Dude, everything you just described with Shane Morris does not sell me. Does not make me want to say, hey, that's my number one guy. That's the dude who I need to lead us. He's the more so, he's the guy with the higher risk. But when you take a higher risk, you get a higher reward. You're saying there's more. He has a higher upside. Yeah, that's fine. I'll save his higher upside for next year, or if Rudock gets injured this year. At this point, this year, I think Jim Harbaugh has to see what he has on this team. He has to see what he has with these players, and it's it's totally different going through summer workouts, going through fall camp, and sitting there playing that first game against Utah. You know, it's all totally different. Once you put the pads on, you start smacking each other around. It's a world of difference. So if Rudock can go out there, and and you're right, he probably will be the safe guy. He'll be the check down guy. He'll be the guy to help control the ball. As long as he's not turning the ball over, he's going to help put this team in a better spot to win. That was the biggest issue they had last year, and part of the reason why they sat there and they, they lost seven games. They turned the ball over too many times at inopportune times, and they put that defense in bad spots. When that defense possessed the ball, didn't turn it over, they were efficient. They were in games. They were winning games. It was when they sat there and they tried getting fancy. They tried, I don't know, forcing plays. You had quarterback roulette going on when you're bringing Gardner in, bringing Morris in, bringing whoever in to throw the ball. So I think at this point, I think oh, Rudock's your number one guy. Safe. You're going safe. It has to be Rudock. It has to be Rudock. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think for where this team is at right now, you have to look at where your team's at. This is something that Mark D'Antonio does really good. He does a great job of. Look at where your team's at right now. Look at what you have. Look at what's going to help you win more games than not, and you go in that direction. If something has to change, go ahead and evaluate it and then make that change. But I think going into the year, I think that first game on September 3rd at Utah, it's got to be Rudock. It has to be. And I agree with you because when you look at the offense, the Wolverines are super ultra thin at wide receiver. You Sugar basically hasn't proved anything either. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and all of his starts, in all of his time that he's been here, it takes some some guy who, who sat there and was released from Iowa to come in to motivate you, to make you want to be better. You don't win with guys like that. Yeah, You just don't. Yeah, and who are they going to throw to? Norfleet, and basically nobody else has really done much. And you got Jake Butt tight end and he's he's a guy that's going to be productive but like i said who's who are these guys going to throw to the offensive by the way i love when he scores a touchdown why is that but scores a touchdown <laughs> it's great dude just anytime anytime you hear that it just it makes uh, me excited let's talk about this big injury in this preview magazine th- mm-hmm. through athlon sports great mm-hmm. great magazine man they really thoroughly go through each each team in the big 10 and talk about the big issues they highlighted rising star brian monet 6'4", 325-pound sophomore nose guard, played all 12 games as a freshman a year ago, and could be the anchor of the new defense headed by DJ Durkin. So he was a guy that was looked to to command a double team and was looked at as a guy that was going to be a key part of that defense. Now, he's not. He's out for the year. He's not going to play his sophomore year. What's the impact of the this defensive lineman's season-ending injury? I think you'll see it up front, but Jim Harbaugh is a good enough coach <laughs> to where he can sit there and he can he'll he'll find a real similar situations. Both these teams real similar situations. MSU and, and Michigan here. I think what they'll do is they'll go by committee. They'll sit there. They'll rotate guys in. They maybe will sit there and change up the packages that they're sitting that they're playing with against different teams. So it'll be there, and I think that the team will feel it. But I think it's going to be slightly negligible that they're going to be able to move past it. I think they're going to be able to move on from it. I don't think it's going to cost them a win. If anything, I think Harbaugh is going to help win this game, win this team a game or two. You know, one of the key losses for Michigan last year on the defensive line was Frank Clark. And I did hear a recent report that he was shining out there so far in training camp for Seattle. Am I right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a key loss. And Frank Clark smacking his girlfriend around was a big loss. I mean, that, that was his problem, you know what I'm saying? Mm. So he had off-the-field issues. That was probably one of the best things Brady Hoke did while he was here was send trouble. Well, you can't say that because we had kickers who were possibly raping girls. So mm-hmm. the whole the whole Hoke era was just very messy and sloppy. Just real messy and sloppy. Let's just move on. The news coming out of spring camp is that Jabril Peppers has totally changed his attitude. He's playing everywhere. Yeah. He's, he's going to be offense, defense. He might even play quarterback. Maybe he'll strap the pads on. Maybe that'll be the guy throwing the ball And he's wherever he, they need him. He's, he's, deci- he's decided that, you know what, i got to change my life. I think he's deleted his Twitter account. Can Jabril Peppers throw the ball to Jabril Peppers? <laughs> What's his impact? What does his impact need to be being a uh, safety out there for the defense? What does he got to do? You know what would be great? And this is a guy that I smile about every time I talk about him, and, and I love him. And if you're a Michigan fan, you love this guy. If he could give you a little bit of what Charles Woodson gave you, if he could play like Chuck, instead of I want to be like Mike, I want to be like Chuck. If Jabril Peppers, if you're out there and you're listening to the Detroit Sports Podcast, and why wouldn't you be listening to the Detroit Sports Podcast right now? Listen to Jock. Go watch some game film on Charles Woodson. Watch Chuck. Watch what he does. Watch what he did against MSU. Watch the way he slapped David Boston around. Watch the way he single-handedly won games. And then watch the way he sat there and won Michigan a national championship. If you can play a little bit like Chuck, I'm having a one-on-one moment with you right now, Jabril. If you can play a little bit like Chuck, your Michigan Wolverine team will be much better for it. And you'll go down in lore. Play like Chuck. He's got to be like Chuck, man. That's what we need. We need him. We need him to play on both sides of the ball. We need him to be an impact player. We need him to sit there. We need him to be able to cover dudes. We need him to be able to catch the ball. We need him to be able to sit there and do some end arounds. Possibly throw the ball. Can he be slash? Is he like Cordell? Can he be like Cordell Stewart? Can he be slash? Just sitting here doing everything and anything. And I think that's the only way this team's going to win. Is if he is just an athlete. If he is just that much better than the guys he's covering and the guys that he's running away from. He's got. He's got to be a stud. He's that one player that everybody's pointing to. And you're right. When he came in, there was a lot of expectations, a ton of expectations. And he kind of seemed flaky about it. And he was often injured. And now at this point in his career, it seems like he's matured quite a bit. And hopefully he steps it up. But I think he's got to be a little bit of everything. What about you? No, I agree 100%. I think that the defense is going to be one of the factors that early on is going to help this team because they need to be, they need to stay in games. And so with the question marks at the defensive line, linebacker, and safety, you're going to have to have an anchor a guy that's going to make plays and do some things to sway the momentum. And Jabril Peppers is going to be one of those guys. But right now, a lot of things are looking in Michigan's favor this year. Seven of their 12 games will be in the safe confines of the big house in Ann Arbor. So you're going to play seven games there, five away. Um, last season, the record was five and seven. Horribly disappointing. Trending downward resulted in a change in regime where now you have coaches with well over three decades of experience as NFL coaches. Right now, the cachet of the coaching staff is very high. Um, A lot of people are looking that uh, Jim Harbaugh, if you give him three to four years, will bring in guys that will help his system. But this year is a year where you taper expectations. You look at a realistic uh, win-loss record of about seven and five, eight and four. That's probably the ceiling because you're going to have, you know, right off the gate, you're going to have the the toughest game right there uh, in the first four versus uh, Utah on the road. And Utah is a great team that beat you at the big house. So I think you open the season with a loss. And then my other four losses are to State, Minnesota, and then the last two uh, on the road to Penn State and Ohio State. So I got you five losses. Don't underestimate Jim Harbaugh. You got to remember, he is kind of the, I'm not. He's the, kind of the quarterback whisperer. Mm-hmm. So I think underneath his tutelage, that offense is going to look dramatically different than anything that you've seen or that what you're expecting. 
You got to remember what he did with a guy like Alex Smith. Alex Smith had zero confidence, no confidence whatsoever. Had his best career year that first season in San Francisco underneath Jim Harbaugh. So I think that that offense, and I think the way this team's going to play might surprise you a little bit. I think they go into Utah. I think they get a win in Utah. I think them somewhere near 8-4, and four, I will take it, but I think they have the potential for 9-3. and MSU is going to be a tough game. I think they can win that game, but I'm not ready to sit there and commit fully to it. Ohio State's a different monster. That will be another close game, but I don't think they have the talent yet to go up against Ohio State. They can go into Penn State, and I think they can beat Penn State. There will be some type of a fluky loss. I don't know. Maybe it's Northwestern. Maybe it's BYU. I, I'm Who knows, right? They can go. I think they can go 9-3, and three, and I think that will be acceptable. Eight and Nine four, and three. I think 8-4 and four is probably more probable. Okay. I, I, just, I just think there's... There, there's this thing called the Harbaugh factor. You have them at seven and five, right? I think with the Harbaugh factor, you're plus at least one game, possibly plus two games. So if we're talking plus two games, we're right there at nine and three now. Yeah, if you get key wins versus uh, BYU, maybe uh, on the off chance you you come out strong and everything clicks early on, and you get that win versus Utah, then you have a chance. And but like I said, tough games versus Minnesota, tough games versus Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State. It's just a tough, a little bit of a, a tough challenge. His first season, definitely when you're trying to get new players on and trying to instill what you're trying to do there early on. So I'm really starting. To, like I said, when I first started, I think the expectations are realistic. They're fair, and but by year two. You're going to have to up those expectations and really see what this program is going to be about. Because in year two, if you're not anywhere near that 8-10 to 10 win range, you're going to have that rumbling that what the heck's going on here. And like I said, Michigan State's not going away. People are writing that potentially Michigan State's going away. No, they're only getting better. Ohio State's only getting better. Now Michigan not only has to get to mediocre, they have to kind of break through the barrier and get to that next level. This is a question for you. Going forward and in the future, especially in the, in just in the Big Ten, and with those three teams that you named, Ohio State, Michigan State, and Michigan. How competitive do you think the Big Ten's going to be now? Because you're saying that Michigan State's not going away. I don't believe that they're going we're on away. We're on the map. I, I, think, I think they're, if anything, they're just getting a little bit stronger. Oh, yeah, we're on the map. It, it's just not exponentially stronger like it used to be. Do you remember how the talk was last year with Mich- with the Big Ten? Like, oh, the teams are horrible. Look at the play. They'll never compete with the SEC. What did, what did the Big Ten do? Michigan State went and played Baylor and dominated early on, and they played a great game. They got behind a little bit, but then they came back and won the game. They've continued to make strides. Look at the Big Ten with Ohio State. Not only getting into the playoff, which was very controversial, I recall that, but winning versus Alabama, a national powerhouse from the SEC. Then they go into the title game versus Oregon. A lot of people you know, were thinking possibly that Oregon could do some damage, but Ohio State, in the first ever college football playoff, takes it down, and that shut everybody up. Everybody who's well-known to be a Big Ten hater had to, had to be quiet. And people came out and said, listen, we underestimated the Big Ten. Look, look what they got going on here. And the, the landscape has shifted when you got three of the best college football coaches in the, in the Big Ten Conference. Urban Meyer, D'Antonio, and Harbaugh. Look out, man. It's going to be a fun ride. And now you're going to see potentially... If a lot of players have success in the NFL, that more recruits are going to come from the South and come to Michigan. That's what that's the next step for the Big Ten is to recruit outside of the Midwest belt here and get players with speed and get players that are really effective outside of the Midwest. What you have brewing and what you potentially have here in the Big Ten, and especially right here in, in the Big Ten East, is something similar to what you have going on in the SEC West. You've got this power conference within a conference, right? You've got the three best schools 
in the Big Ten, or we're going to project this out two years. In two years, you're going to have possibly the two, the the three best schools in the Big Ten with Ohio State, Michigan State, and Michigan, and they're just going to bludgeon each other. Real similar to what goes on in the SEC, where you've got LSU playing Alabama, playing Auburn, playing Mississippi State, playing Arkansas. You know, just just a powerhouse conference inside of a conference. The thing that has to happen for the Big Ten to be taken more seriously and to be considered what the SEC is, you're going to need a school like Wisconsin. You're going to need a school like Nebraska, possibly Minnesota or Northwestern. You need somebody to come out of that Big Ten West and be strong and be powerful like those other three schools like we're projecting them to be. With Jim Harbaugh and what he's going to do with Michigan, he's going to sit there and he's going to elevate them. He's going to raise them up out of these ashes here. Ohio State's only going to keep rolling and getting stronger. You've got a great coach in Urban Meyer. He's very, 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 very scary. Mark D'Antonio is a great coach. Guy won your Rose Bowl. I think he's got national championship uh, capabilities, and I think he's got the I think he's got the talent as a coach, and I think he's got the talent as a talent evaluator, not just with his coaches, but with his players and his staff to be able to sit there and win a national championship. And I think Jim Harbaugh, the Harbaugh effect, I think he's good to win you at least two games a year just on his coaching and his abilities alone. Now, factor in the fact that he is what they call a quarterback whisperer. He has an eye for talent, and he knows the game inside and out. On top of that, he's a recruiting machine. I mean, running around without a shirt on, playing shirts and skins, doing all kinds of eccentric, crazy stuff. The thing about it, it's annoying to you as an MSU fan. It's annoying to me as a Michigan fan who just sees it as noise, and I wish it would just be quiet. But to the kids that are out there, they see this stuff, and this stuff is like, whoa, that coach, he, he seems pretty cool. He's an all right guy. He's pretty cool. He's got a Twitter account. I mean, we talked about that. You know, how do we reach most of the people that we communicate with on a daily basis about whatever it is that we're talking about? It's always through Twitter. He has a Twitter. You know, he's one of the only coaches that do that. And and then the whole deal with Nike and being able to have Michael Jordan contact you to say, hey, you want to do Nike at Michigan? Because I think that'd be a great idea. And Jim's like, yeah, sure. Why not? That sounds awesome. Let's do it. And the next thing you know, the biggest contract in, in apparel history for a school gets cut to Michigan. And it's because of Jim Harbaugh doing these handshakes in the background. So I think Michigan is going to be a much better program. Don't underestimate them. Don't sleep on them. They're going to be strong to quite strong. And I think in two years, it's going to be, it, it's going to be hell out there in the Big Ten. Late August, early September, college football is kicking off. We just gave you the great hour of college football preview. And we talked a whole hour about this stuff? Yeah. Dang! <laughs> Stay with us after the break. The Guinness World Record Holder for the number one most downloaded podcast, Adam Carolla, will join us and share his thoughts about his current projects and his live podcast appearance. October 23rd, you can get tickets at adamcarolla.com. Stay with us, Doc and Jock, Detroit Sports Podcast. Doc and Jock here for Fanatic U. If you're looking for some sweet sports swag and you love your Detroit teams, and I mean you really love your Detroit teams, you got to check out FanaticU.com. Check out FanaticU.com. Use promo code DSP, save 15% even off the clearance items, and get the coolest gear out there and rock your Red Wing shirt, rock your Lions shirt, rock your Old English D to the Tiger games, rock your Piston apparel, wear it till the wheels fall off. We just got done talking college football here. Michigan, Michigan State, you know what? They got it too. Check out Fanatic U. They have six locations all over Metro Detroit. Check them out, fanaticu.com. 
I want to tell everyone out there about DetroitSportsNation.com. They're a great website, and they've been very supportive to all the shows on the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. They host all the podcasts. They have great writers that cover all the Detroit teams, all the college teams. Check out their website and support those who support us. DetroitSportsNation.com. The collaboration has been excellent, and it's helped us to continue to grow and have great guests take phone calls. So our collaboration with the Detroit Sports Nation has really been successful, and support those who support us. DetroitSportsNation.com. It's very rare that the inspiration for your project is on the phone. He is author, comedian, documentary filmmaker, and movie director. Adam Carolla is on the Detroit Sports Podcast. Welcome, Adam. Thank you for taking time. We know it's precious. My pleasure. Adam is visiting Detroit October 23rd at the Royal Oak Music Theater. You can get tickets out there who are downloading this podcast at adamcarolla.com. Now, Adam, for those that haven't been to a live podcast, tell them what they can expect. I know I'm going. I got four tickets. Oh, really? Hey, can you move? Can I get out? So I had to yell at a guy who was blocking my driveway. <laughs> literally. So the guy was like literally just blocking my driveway while I'm trying to back out. It's just sitting there. Weird. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not sure what to expect because they're different every time, but it's just a whole new way of entertaining and uh it's weird it didn't exist a few years ago you know it was either you'd watch somebody do a play or you'd watch somebody do stand-up or maybe they do some spoken word or something like that but this is a live podcast uh go up there usually bring a guest out there comedian uh, radio whomever and just free form it for 90 minutes now, Adam, I'm a daily listener to the podcast, so you just told me that you're getting in your car. Are you going to program anything into the Waze system? Because if it goes <laughs> off, I will be laughing hysterically, and we're going to have an issue with the interview. That bit was really one of the best ones of the year, the whole Waze GPS going off during interviews. Yeah, well, it, it, all, it all... No, but if you're a daily listener, I just drove through a red left turn arrow around a car that was waiting to turn left in the same lane. So if anyone knows me, I just pulled one of my signature moves because I don't wait for the man to tell me it's safe to turn left. I turn left when it's safe to turn left. The Waze thing came about, which is I was doing a show called uh, Catch a Contractor on Spike, and I, I still am, but I was shooting it, and I was going to all these different dilapidated houses all over the, um, just all over the, the Los Angeles. And I didn't know where any of them were, and they're all an hour and a half away from my house. So I'd be driving there in the morning, and I set up a whole bunch of interviews because I was stuck in my car. And while I was doing these interviews about Paul Newman and racing and movies and blah, 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 the ways lady was talking to me the entire time. And the person who was interviewing me couldn't hear a word she was saying that just heard a super distracted me attempting to answer. 
I want to definitely talk to you about the many projects you've done this year. I've indulged myself lately. I read the book, watched the movie, and I'm looking forward to、uh, chatting with you about them. Now, I'm not a car guy,、uh, but I was intrigued and it held my attention. The documentary, Winning the Racing Life of Paul Newman. It was a fascinating documentary, really looking at the passion that Paul Newman showed toward racing. Are you starting to get that towards documentary filmmaking? Maybe a little bit going away from、uh, comedy? I'm, I'm in the midst of making a couple other documentaries、uh, as we speak. And yeah, I, I do enjoy it. I am sort of setting up a small production company to do that. You know, you don't get rich. You barely get paid. It's just something you kind of do because you might have some passion about a certain subject. And, you know, after a couple of years' work, you might get a little payday, but it's, it's next to nothing. It's really just doing it to just, at the end of the day, kind of have something to leave to my kids, you know? And the, and the racing documentary was very interesting. And a point that I really found fascinating was. Paul Newman helped Willie T. Ribbs get to where he was at and helped launch his career. So I was thinking, you know, maybe when the Adam Carolla documentary comes out, maybe Nate Adams can check off some charity when Adam Carolla maybe adopts、uh, a certain podcast out of Detroit. <laughs> you will be my white Willie T. Ribbs. <laughs> That's perfect. We can set that up quickly. <laughs> I, Adam, it was, a, it, it was a great documentary. My thoughts were Paul Newman. Really was a race car driver. He was very passionate. And the lessons that you could take from it were that if you really put your mind to it, I mean, Paul Newman drove an underpowered car for about a, the better part of maybe a year or so while he was learning. And the, the point really hit home, and I really appreciate that you showed that. If you show passion for something, if you show that you're interested, you can reach success, even if it's something that you're not originally doing. Yeah, he won four national championships and he didn't get started until his late 40s. So he should be an inspiration to everybody who's sort of looking for the next chapter in their life that it's not too late, but you have to focus and you have to put in the time and you have to work. And that, that's what Paul did. What documentaries are you、uh, currently putting together right now? Well, I'm working on a documentary. Uh, about Ferrari and Ford at Le Mans, and about how Ford was finally able to conquer Ferrari at, at Le Mans in the、uh, late, mid late 60s. And then I'm also working on one about、uh, K Rock, the original radio station that I started at, and Dr. Drew started at, and Jimmy Kimmel, and Carson Daly, and the, the station that broke all those personalities. Bands、uh, back in the day. Excellent. We wish you great luck, and I look forward to seeing those as they are released. We are talking to Adam Carolla, the Guinness World Record Holder, number one podcast ever. He's on with us on the Detroit Sports Podcast. Now, the book, Daddy Stop Talking and Other Things My Kids Want But Won't Be Getting, a must read for parents out there. And a recent story that broke, but it wasn't news to me because I read it in the book. Um, James Harrison came out and was like, I'm not letting my kids get participation trophies. He actually took them back and returned them and made a public statement. But this is something that you've talked about quite a bit. We don't need to be overpraising kids, they need to learn how to handle losing. Yeah, they do, and how to handle winning, and that there's a difference between winning and losing. Yeah, you know, I, I, said, I said to my wife the other day, because my, my son has a. 
my son has a room filled with trophies, although he's never come in first, second, or third in anything. But uh, his room looks like Liberace's safe deposit box. <laughs> I, I, said, uh, I said, listen, I played uh, 11 years of football and maybe seven years of baseball. I have tons of participation trophies and, and or other trophies. I said, the most important thing that I have from back in the day is a piece of paper. It's a piece of paper that's a recruiting letter from Cal Poly Pomona trying to get me to play in their football program. And they're not even, you know, they're not Nebraska or UCLA. It's just Cal Poly Pomona. But the fact that I had a piece of paper that was attempting to recruit me to play football at their small college is the most cherished artifact from back in the day. Because the participation trophy, all that does is say that I was born. The recruitment letter says I was good. Yeah, and what happens is when all these kids feel entitled, when they become adults, they're not as passionate, they don't work as hard, and they, they get a strong sense of entitlement that we see all across the world. I mean, very rarely do you find people who are truly passionate about what they're doing. Yeah, well, you know, James, when you look at James Harrison, he's undersized and he's about six foot. He played on the special teams on the Steelers, and now it's going on to four or five Pro Bowls. So obviously there has to be a work ethic there, and he wants to instill that in his children. Exactly, and the book clearly states that, you know, as a parent, as long as you give them attention and you don't overindulge them, that the, and as long as you care, the kids have a strong, a strong chance at succeeding. Now, a funny and great story from the book. It literally had me laughing and got me kicked, kicked out of bed because I was laughing so hard. You tried to kind of show off a little bit. You were working out, and you were balancing yourself on a medicine ball. What made you decide that you could potentially balance your kids and tell everybody what happened when you tried to balance your two kids while on a medicine ball? <laughs> Technically, it's a yoga ball, the ones that are bigger, you know? Yeah. The big, the big uh, like, two-foot-round ones. Mm-hmm. I... I used to work out with a guy, and the guy figured out that I had a pretty good sense of balance because I used to ride the unicycle and that kind of stuff. And he asked me one day if I thought I could stand on one of those yoga balls. So I, I got barefoot, and I, I, I was able to stand on the yoga ball. And then later on, he said, well, what if I throw a medicine ball to you? Do you think you could catch the medicine ball on the yoga ball and fire it back? And before he knew it, he was just chucking this uh, medicine ball at me while I was standing on a yoga ball and I was firing it back. And I thought, uh, wow, I got a pretty good, pretty good core. I got a pretty good sense of balance here. And later on, the yoga ball was in the den and my kids were about a year and a half and I attempted to pick them both up and just sort of get on my knees on the thing. I wasn't going to stand on it. And I did get onto my knees temporarily, but then, uh, I quickly went uh, ass over tea kettle, and the kids weren't flying, and, and so did I. <laughs> and uh, my kids will still bring that up to me these, to this day, because uh, I do bring them up. You know, I'll pick them up, I'll throw them all under my head, I'll start running around the house, and my son will yell, put me down, and I'll say, oh, when have I ever dropped you? And then he'll throw that in my face. All right, Adam, how do we win the war with our wives? Because I appreciate your words very much so in terms of working hard, doing multiple things to bring the bread home, and yet when we come home, we have to almost beg 
to get a nice home-cooked meal and to see a nice house clean. Sometimes we have to hire other people to clean our house. What can we do potentially to win this battle and uh, get back our, our masculinity and our manhood? I really don't know. I, I've been doing battle with my wife for a long time, and, you know, for me it's kind of tough love. Uh, you know, when the kids say, you know, this is my this or that's my that or this is my room or that's my bed, I always tell them, first thing I tell them is everything in this house is mine. <laughs> I bought it. I own it. I let you use it. And then when we go out to dinner or something and at the end they're like, uh, you know, we're leaving. I'm like, thank you. Thank you, Daddy. Thanks for working so hard. Thanks for paying for dinner. Thanks for working so hard that mommy has a nice car. And I, I really beat it into them. And it's not because I'm self-aggrandizing. It's just because I want them to understand that this stuff isn't up in the air. It doesn't come from nothing. You know, the, the magical plastic car that's in my wallet that pays for everything. Daddy needs to pay that off at the end of every month. And that's why he gets up at 6.30 in the morning and goes to catch a contractor or writes another book or makes another movie or heads off to do a podcast. And I want them to have a direct line correlation between their life and how hard daddy works for it. And then exactly. And then also, too, you need the support of everybody in the household. I mean, definitely, if Lynette's not helping, if my wife is not helping, it just makes things so challenging when you have a certain way and you want to instill values and then your significant other isn't helping. Yeah, well, you know, the problem is, is, I really figured out the problem is is money's invisible. Everything is just direct deposit. Everything is a debit card. Everything's a credit card. And back in the day, you would come home with a black face full, full of coal dust and, you know, big, big sweat pits under your arms. And your wife would say, oh, my goodness, you've had such a hard day. Let me make you some stew. And now I come in wearing a pair of shorts and flip-flops from a long day of podcasting, and my wife says, why didn't you pick up some Chinese food on the way home so you could eat? And I realize the money is invisible now, and the work we do to get it doesn't feel like work to them. Now, Adam, you're doing great podcasts, the Podcast Network, over there at adamcarolla.com. The podcasting is going very well. Did you think it was going to end up being like this, where there's several networks, Podcast One, yours, Podcasting is just something that is very valuable. You really get a, a, a strong connection to the listener. Did you think it was going to get like this? And where do you think podcasting can go potentially in the next five years? I don't have no. I never thought it would. I never thought it would get like this. And uh, I have no idea if it's just going to be the wave of the future or the market's going to be flooded. I, I really, I really couldn't tell you. I really don't know. I wish I did. You know, for me. I get up in the morning, I go do a podcast every day. I have to do three today, and that's, that's, my, that's my schedule. Yeah, and you recently started one with Mark Garagos called Reasonable Doubt, available for download every Saturday. You can download the daily Adam Carolla podcast at iTunes, and you can check out all of Adam's great works at adamcarolla.com. Now, Adam, I'll get you out of here on this. A um, lot of great stories about your football betting and the fact that potentially you uh, struggle on Super Bowl Sunday to make great bets, but last year you had some good success. Any early thoughts about who you're liking this year so I can bet uh, opposite and make some money? Well, you know, <laughs> uh, I never bet against Belichick. That's, uh, that's, that's my short answer. 
Never bet against Belichick. Adam, thank you so much for your time. I'm looking forward to the live performance. Um, you had said that uh, if there's any struggles, you'd be coming to Detroit. Is everything all right over there in California? Uh, yeah, we're doing about as well as Detroit economically, so it should be like a lateral move coming out there. <laughs> all right, we're looking forward to it. And uh, hopefully, you know, keep, keep working, keep going, and uh, quit taking a break. Get to work, man. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thanks, Adam. We'll talk, we hope to talk soon. Man, oh man, cuz, do you believe that Adam Carolla came on the Detroit Sports Podcast? That was good stuff, man. Number one. You should see your face right now. I'm happy. You are grinning ear to ear. Yeah, because. He is your hero. You know what? You know why? Because I tried to reach out to him one year ago. Exactly one year ago, last August. I remember, August, you were so devastated. I was, t- I was bummed out because, you know, he, he was, like I said when I introed him, he was the inspiration for the podcast, and he was a guy that, uh, you know... Our first website looked just like his. That's right. So he was a guy that kind of helped us do what we're doing here, and so he's made this medium very popular, and now a lot of people are doing it, and uh, he's one of the inspirations. He's doing a lot of great things, and he was very, he was hilarious, man. He's always funny, and I'm looking forward to seeing the show October 23rd um, at the Royal Oak Music Theater. So I'll be there, and um, we'll have a good time and share some. I'm just glad he didn't hit that guy who was in his driveway. (laughs) Yeah, good stuff. This was a great podcast, because it definitely makes the the work week very fun to, you know, kind of break up the monotony a little bit. Can't wait for football! Yes, sir. I'm excited, can you tell? Yes. For the Jock Adam Strozinski, I am the Doc John Macaroon. Thank you. Support us. Go to our website, DetroitSportsPodcast.com. Go Michigan. Go Michigan State. Go Lions. You will be my white Willie T. Riff. And all I can say is Detroit Sports Podcast scores. I have voices in my head. They count to me. They understand. They talk to me.